Okay. You and your joint ready, Freddie? You know it. All right. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of THC True Hollywood Crime. I'm your host, Mariah. This is your host, Bailey. Sure. Maybe. Maybe. Who knows? It might not be. It could be anybody. Could be anybody. <laughs> it's spooky season. It could be a ghost. Hi, how's it going, B? All right, I haven't seen you at all. God. Oh, my God. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't seen you in so long. Uh. If you guys follow us on THC Podcast on Instagram, you will see that we just had girls night last night. And it was, well, you don't know that it was last night, but. We're recording on a Saturday, like always. Girls' night was Friday. What did we go do? We went and saw the new Halloween. Halloween Kills. And what did we think of it? So much better than the last one. Yes. It gave us everything we wanted. Mm-hmm. They did go a little in a weird direction with the story, but it's not so weird. It's definitely not bringing in some cult guy right. with Paul Rudd. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right? But the violence was everything it's like they heard our complaints about the last one which was basically a pg-13 movie right this is 2.0 he this is the biggest numbers he's ever put in in any movie not only the amount of kills but what we get to see yeah and even like the after effect yes just the dead bodies everywhere the i mean brain he, splatter. we won't give any spoilers but we will say michael probably kills at least 50 people that's a lot mm-hmm and this great. takes place exactly where the last one left off. Mm-hmm. If you watched the last one, what was that, 2018? Yeah. With Jamie Lee Curtis. And that's when we're introduced to her daughter and her granddaughter. This takes place as soon as that one ends. Uh-huh. But we get lots of fun throwback scenes to the 70s. Yep. They tie it all in. And all the original actors. Yeah. I love that the original actors who were the kids in the 70s mm-hmm. are now in the in this one yeah kyle richards as Lindsay and anthony michael hall as tommy thank you i wanted to say like todd and the <laughs> the nurse is in it i yeah. mean she wasn't a kid back then but right. the nurse that michael attacks in the car she's and then in lonnie, it and then it was lonnie's kid but yep. yeah all of it everything love it uh-huh do you remember who lonnie was in the original uh no he was one of the bullies i think he's the one that knocks tommy's pumpkin out of his hand oh at the school. but then in this one he's getting bullied but that's just it like he, he grew up being a bully and now as an adult it's like payback's a bitch right it's like he realized after his encounter with michael myers like i need to turn my shit around no but in the beginning of halloween kills he's being bullied Lonnie is? Yeah, because they're going, Lonnie, Lonnie. Oh, <laughs> yeah, those kids. You're right. Mm-hmm. But I think he bullied Tommy. So maybe he was bullying he because was bullied he was because bullied. He was, yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. All right. Well, listen. Guys, go see it. It's great. How many knives would you give it, B? Four. Me too. Yeah. That's what I thought was a solid four. Mm-hmm. And they even, I don't remember noticing this in the last one, that, but they must have done it where they, Michael even looks like the original Michael Myers yeah. again. Uh-huh. They, because the original Michael Myers is like an average dude. Right. In mm-hmm. size and stature. Correct. And that's how this Michael was. And Should we mention our favorite character or is that giving too much away? Big John, Little John. Yeah. And how we thought that would be a great Halloween costume for anybody. There is a gay couple in it and it's Big John and Little John. And they're everything. They're so sweet. Big no, Little John is Stuart from Mad TV. Yeah. Um, so air quote, Big John is like the shorter of the two. He has brown hair and he's wearing like 
silky boxers and like a wife beater and like lots of jewelry. (laughs) And then little John, who's Stuart from Mad TV, is wearing, he's dressed like a pirate because it's Halloween. Like a fancy pirate, not like a yar pirate, but like a... A very flamboyant pirate. Mm -hmm. And I just looked at B and I was like... That's us. Bro, (laughs) that should totally be our Halloween costume. Our couple's costume. Nobody's going to know who we are for (laughs) sure. But we'll know We'll know, know everything, are. and it's so good. Yeah, and they were our favorite characters, Big John, Little John. So definitely go see it. Let us know what you guys think of it. We liked it a lot. I'm excited for the next one. Mm-hmm. I don't know what they're possibly going to do, but right? I can't wait to see it. Exactly. It's going to be a lot to finish up in one movie. Do you really think this will be the end? For now. I know it's never the end, is it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Ever. Not yeah. with Michael Jason I and Freddie. It's, it's never the end. I think it's the end of... Jamie Lee Curtis. I think that's what it is. I, I think the third one, I mean, I guess that is a spoiler alert. Jamie Lee Curtis is still alive in these movies. And I think the third one, we'll, come hell or high water, mm-hmm. it'll be the end of Jimmy, Jamie Lee. Yeah, for sure. So we ended the last podcast the day before everything, before Zoe's birthday party, mm-hmm. my anniversary. We did a pumpkin patch and all that. And then from there... My week just kind of got crazier and crazier. So what Monday we were off and I had mentioned on the podcast on Saturday, I was so proud of the way my yard was looking. Oh, yeah. And I finally like was taking pictures and like we were so close to being done. And what happened on Monday? Just the windiest (laughs) windstorm day of all time. It looked like fucking Wizard of Oz (laughs) came and took a shit in my front yard. Oh, yeah. And I mean, I had branches all over my yards. Everything. Crazy. Everything blew over, all over the place. So that was great. Then on Wednesday, right before taking Violet to dance class, I gave myself black eye. Oh, this is a real black eye? This is a real black eye. Oh, I thought you did it for the... No. For Bees Look in the no. Bank. And I couldn't... I've been, That's why I was so confused, because I was trying to think of where in this week's movie a it's black a, eye appears. No, it's a real black eye. I was getting the mail... And I wasn't paying attention, and I walked straight into the scaffolding <laughs> in Nick's truck. <laughs> Literally. Are you okay? Well, yeah. I mean, my eyes It's fucked. a real black eye. I thought that was makeup. No. So, because I have my glasses on, my glasses gouged into this part of my eye oh, up here. My God. Thank God you didn't break your new glasses. Right? I know. And, like, even this part of my cheek hurts really. So, you just covered it up last night? Yeah. It literally, you guys, I will take a picture. It looks like if you wanted to paint on a black eye yeah, it's perfect. for a costume, mm-hmm. this is the black eye you would give yourself. Yeah. That's why I thought it was fake. Well, and well, I was sitting here trying to think of in the movie. I'm like, mm-hmm. do does the big sister get a black eye? Does the mom? Like, what is this from? No. And then um, Friday was just awful at work. But what else did we do? Was it Tuesday? We tried to get the Scream House. Oh, yeah. We didn't want to tell you guys because we didn't want to give ourselves up. But But, clearly everybody else was already aware of it. Airbnb had a special. Yeah. It's basically to promote Scream 5. Which the trailer came out this week. Looks great. And it's, um, what did you say, is Monday the 20th or the 25th anniversary of the original? Something like that. Yeah. Because I know that it's coming out on... Um, January 14th. Right. But when we were buying tickets for Halloween, you noticed they were doing a special screening of the first Scream and it was for the anniversary. Oh, for the 25th anniversary. Mm-hmm. Yep. So. I know. I'm surprised that Scream 5 didn't come ar- come out around the same time. It, they kind of missed the mark on that. Because maybe because of COVID. Maybe, but. They missed the mark really on that. What's really the difference between October and January, like, 
editing wise. And why wouldn't you want October numbers? And why wouldn't you want it to be on the 25th anniversary? Yeah, no. Something had to have gone down or mm. they just aren't fucking smart. Yeah. <laughs> but that's definitely what it is. Um, no, the in Marin, which is in the Bay Area, they have the house that they filmed. It looked like where they filmed the party at. Correct. Stewart's house. Stewart's house mm-hmm. is in Marin because a lot of screaming. We've talked about this. Um, A lot of this was filmed, I guess, in the Bay Area. A lot of it was in Healdsburg, where Mm -hmm. your husband's from, like Napa County, Marin County. Mm -hmm. Stu's house is in Marin. And so to promote Scream 5, Airbnb turned it into a replica of Of the party house. Mm -hmm. And... They were giving it out for, they were renting it out for $5 a night, but only for like the 20, or was it the 29th, 30th, and 31st? Correct. And so it was basically a contest. They say it's not a contest because you're it paying is. for it, yeah. but it's a contest. And it's like, then, you know, Dewey comes up on the TV. Deputy Dewey shows up. Uh-huh, and gives you like a special message and you have the screening of all the movies. And then you get a phone call from Ghostface. Mm-hmm. Very cool. So I was there at 10 a.m. I hit the link right as soon as my clock turned 10. I hit the link and I was in there. Yeah. And I was putting in my info and I was so excited because I was like, oh, shit, I got this. It's happening. And then by the time I sent it through, they're like, nope, already sold out. I was like, oh, you must See, and I had it loaded on my phone. The second it was about to switch, I did like a refresh and I got to the calendar and I was able to select the date. And as soon as I touched it, nothing happened. So I'm like, fuck. So then I refreshed it again and then they were gone. Yeah. It was that fast. So I got closer than you did. You did. But Mm -hmm. still not close enough. Nope. When I tell you how excited I was. Oh, your heart had to have been pounded. Oh, my God. Yeah. I was thrilled. Of course. So that's a bummer. Yeah. Oh, well. I mean, it was still exciting. And we still have the movie to look forward to. Look, if Ben, who we talk about all the time on this podcast, when I have sent me the link to it, you never I would know. have never known See, about it, yeah. and we would have gone about well, shout our out to you, Ben, merry little way. Who doesn't listen. Oh my god! For a second, I thought it was the fucking cat. I thought it was Zoe. <laughs> Thanks, love. But we have a whole Magnum that we're drinking. Well, now we get to add this to it. Okay. <laughs> Aww. That's all we have. A fucking Costco size thing. Let's talk about what we're drinking. Why don't we? That's a great So segue. that interruption was my lovely husband handing us a six pack so of White Claw sweet. watermelon. It'll be delicious. It will be delicious. We are currently drinking a we. Why do we call it a Magnum? Because it's bigger than a normal bottle. Yeah. That's what it is. It's a Magnum of champagne. Okay, perfect. Mm-hmm. So a very large, extra large yeah. bottle of cooked champagne. I got an extra large bottle, not for us, but for a work event. My salon had a little anniversary party today, and we were all supposed to bring like a snack or like cupcakes. Mm-hmm. And I was like, mm, this is a snack. I'm bringing oh, champagne. This champagne bottle is the most impossible to open champagne bottle ever. I know for a fact that shouldn't be how it's done because I have seen Bailey herself open this bottle of champagne multiple times in my life. I can do it. Nobody at the salon could do it. I, I mean, nobody could do it. And mm-hmm. we're like, maybe we're just weak. I'm like, watch. My husband will open it in two seconds when I get home. Yeah. So nobody at the salon got any champagne, which sucked. But then I told B, I was like, well, make, we have a giant bottle of champagne. Make to drink. vodka out of lemons. <laughs> That's right. And so I brought it home thinking, even recording, because I'm like, watch, my husband's going to do it in five seconds. Lou, big, strong, 
country boy strong. He could pick up a keg with one hand. No problem. Carry it for you. Where do you want it? Can't open the bottle. This fucking bottle. No. So we had to get out we a... We tried to light it. We to tried to it. melt it down a little. And then we got out a special wrench or a special plier. What was it? It was a... We can't even remember. And it was so a, important. A cable A lock? cable lock? A cable lock? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. It's some special tool. And that finally got it done. So yeah. And our Halloween candy bucket with ice and apple juice. So now we have all this... Watermelon fucking champagne to drink let's do it bitch i'm trying uh, well let's cheer cheers Ding. welcome back to another episode i will tell you last night i had a dream that we got into a huge fight oh let's do it huge fight let's brawl and of course not like a I physical know. fight <laughs> a huge fight and of course i what was what did i do <laughs> um, I honestly can't. I'm trying to remember what it was. Because you know it's my fault. No, it wasn't your fault. I think it's that I thought Nick hated me. Oh, okay. Because Nick would never like talk to me or include me in anything. And I was like trying to explain that to you. And you're like, you oh, just, you're so stupid. You, no, no, no. You were like, you just have to understand where he's coming from. Like, he just doesn't quite like get you yet like he doesn't like know where you're coming from. He doesn't understand you yet. And I'm like, I've been here forever. What are you talking about? <laughs> This is me. It was so funny. And then I was, of course, crying and hysterical. And you you were such mean. a bitch about it. Yeah. <laughs> you were being such mean. a fucking bitch about it. Yeah. Anyways, we made up in the dream. It's fine. <laughs> Incredible. <laughs> That's amazing. Love it. Because B and I fight all the time. Right. We pretend. We are such good best friends <laughs> on air because we hate each other. We hate off. each other in real life. We only went to that movie to like fake you guys out yeah. and make you think we hang out. All we do is fight mm-hmm. and not talk to each other. No. It was a crazy dream, though. Throw rocks in each other's yards. <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, more like you keep throwing up in my yard. It hasn't happened in a while. Maybe tonight. Tonight might be the night. Listen. With apple juice, champagne, and watermelon white claw. Oh, my God. So it's like throw up in your front yard to me. So much champagne. Oh, I'm looking forward to this episode. All right. You ready? I am. You guys want to go over your game rules? Let's do it. The THC podcast drinking game trademarked, right? Yeah. TM. The rules are take a drink or a hit of whatever you're smoking. <coughs> if we cheers, which we already have. If we're not in the pod shed, which, which we, we almost are. Weren't. We almost weren't, but we are. So cheers, not in the pod <coughs> shed. Badass big sister. If we mention a badass big sister, if we mention an episode of the USA classic TV show Monk, if we spill something, or if past we mention a past episode. I Yay! know, I was going to say it. I was on it. So feel free to play along. This is our third installment of our spooky series. We're doing all spooky, Halloween-y, ghosty cases. I loved last week. I still can't get over it. I've gotten a lot of feedback on last week and a lot of people saying that it was creepier and scarier than like like you said yeah. than the exorcism of, of annalise Meikle. Yeah, yeah. mitchell right. michael yay thanks people something about dolls yeah really freak people out and it's just like kids little kids are well awful. and i think it's the fact that you can like still go see him and the fact that he has rules and this all might be the world's best marketing scheme Who cares? by the key west yeah. historic society or whatever because they are really leaning into it with 
the posting of his the notes begging for his forgiveness and the rules and all of that. But even if it is, I think that's what makes it even creepier is the fact that we'll never meet anybody who knew Annalise Mm -mm. Michael. But we could go see this doll. We can go see this doll and we would follow the rules. Yeah, absolutely. Just in case. Yeah. All right. But this week's episode (laughs) is on the 1980s movie Poltergeist. And I have two different haunting stories for you about the movie. So surprisingly, going into this, knew nothing. And then just this week, a canceled YouTuber started posting videos again. And for some reason, the video that they chose to do it on is the park that I think you're going to talk about. Really? Chessman? No idea what you're talking about. Really? Okay, because in this episode, (laughs) they just moved to Colorado. Apparently in Colorado, there's a place, I think it's called Chessman Park, Uh where it's the same situation. The dead bodies that they were supposed to relocate. Nope. Okay. I don't have anything about that. Wow. And it said that it had something to do with the movie Poltergeist, and I thought it was so weird that that would just happen to pop up this week. Cool. Don't have anything about that. Great. Well, then I get to learn even more new things about this. All right. So first of all, I got everything from an article on Nerdist.com, which I love Nerdist in general. Really? Do you know what that is? No. It's, I don't know how to describe it. I guess it is a, a website, but they have other things as well. But it's ran and founded by Chris Hardwick. Love it. You know who that is, right? Oh, yes. Okay. Of course. Perfect. Of course you do. That What a dumb question. So Nerdist is his thing. Like he has um, like a Nerdist podcast. Okay. And he has like the Nerdist website. Yeah. And I'm sure it's a team of people who do all of that for him. Okay. But it was his like baby. It's his brainchild. Interesting. So Good. Nerdist.com had an article on this on one of the things I'm going to talk about. I also saw a blog story on storyofthetristate.com. It is a blog. And I believe it has to do with Texas. I don't know. And then an episode (laughs) of Unsolved Mysteries, (laughs) season 12, episode 7, which is funny because we talked about Unsolved Mysteries last Last episode. episode. Drink up. Cheers. So we have two stories to talk about. The first one is the one that is, if you look up, the story that inspired the movie Poltergeist. Mm-hmm. This is the story you will get. Okay. Almost every time. Mm-hmm. To me, it doesn't have a lot to do with the movie. It's hard for me to find the tie-ins. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I haven't seen the movie in a long time, so maybe there is something there that I forgot about. Okay. But it's a very short, quick story, and then I'll have a second one for you. Love it. So this is the story of the Herman family haunting. We're going to start off February 3rd, 1958. We're in Seaford, Long Island, New York. Not too far away from where the Amityville Horror House is on Long Island, New York. Yeah. So we are in a weird area here in New York. Very cool. Good tie-in. James Herman gets a call from his wife, Lucille, that his teen kids, Jimmy and Lucy, will stop right there. It's weird to name your kids after your son. Like... Both of them are named after you guys? Yeah. You have James and Lucille and their kids, Jimmy and Lucy? Uh, I wouldn't have even put that together had you not pointed it out. And it is really fucking weird. <laughs> it's weird. Yeah. Anyways. You guys aren't that cool. Like, <laughs> Also, you guys fuck each other. You, you named like, your kids yeah. after. 
I don't know. Just weird. Anyways, no offense to the Herman family. Uh, their teen kids, Jimmy and Lucy, have been hearing like popping sounds coming from the walls, okay. and, like banging sounds coming from the walls. And she's like, you need to get home. He gets home to find the family freaked out because all the lids and caps on all the bottles in the house are off. Mm. And it doesn't matter what it is. Do so you know to- how mad I would be? I know. Soda pop caps, bleach lids, shampoo caps, all of it. All of the lids on all the bottles are off. And James has came to one of two conclusions. It's either a weird chemical reaction or it's a teen prank. Like some teenagers broke in. Okay. Took all the lids off all the bottles in the house and snuck back out before anyone noticed. Incredible. I had to chug it. Champagne. Sh- Champagne. <laughs> Champagne takes me a while to like warm up to. Oh yeah. You know what I mean? It takes a few glasses for me to like it. Although this cooks is nice and cold, it is better over ice. That's cold like our heart. Dude, you put anything over ice, it tastes better. It's just like if you deep fry anything, it tastes better. Look at that, guys. We're already halfway through the bottle, so that's pretty impressive. We got this. Dude, those bottles go so fast. Right. It's mostly the glass. The bottle, right? Yeah. Thick glass. <laughs> I'm telling you, because there have been so many times, you guys, where I've gone over to B's house just to hang out during the day. It'll be like a Sunday, and she's like, well, I'm already a Magnum deep, so. And I'm like, God damn, <laughs> Bailey. See, you already drank a whole hard. fucking Magnum? Yeah, a little bit on the juice mm-hmm. for diabetic mommy. Not that hard. Okay. Oh, let's tell them. Did we tell them how we're making fall mimosas? We are making... Very fall mimosas because we don't have any OJ, but I have a four-year-old, so I got plenty of fucking apple juice. So we are doing mostly champagne, splash of apple juice, and which, it, as we've discussed before, Bailey's preferred favorite ju- yeah. juice, preferred uh-huh. juice. Not my preferred juice, but I do get it. I do yeah. appreciate an apple juice. Nice, nice and cold. But I, I have to be honest, you guys, I like it better than the orange juice. Yeah, it tastes like you were saying, like a sparkling cider type of situation but less cidery which i appreciate because i don't like sparkling cider right that's heavy on the cider Mm -hmm. so yes i actually guys try it out it's really good and it's a perfect fall drink you want to do almost a full glass of champagne splash of apple juice yeah over ice thank us later you're you're welcome what should we should we name it we already have our tickety talkities Mm -hmm. and our stinky pinkies Mm -hmm. hmm rotten apples I like it. I'm poison a, I, apple? I feel like the poison apple is probably a real drink. Eh, probably. Yeah. Should we call them rotten apples? I like rotten apple. All right. Mm-hmm. So this is our rotten apples. Yay. Anywho. That's how we're going to feel tomorrow. That's exactly right. <laughs> that is exactly right. All right. All the lids are off all the bottles. Bailey's pissed. She's having I'm issues. Furious. <laughs> furious. Five days later, so, and James thinks, the dad thinks, again, teen prank, something happened. Yeah. Something explainable. Five days later, the same thing happens again. The next day, the same thing happens again. Mm -hmm. Now James is like, what the fuck? Because now he's home. And he's like, okay, what's going on? There's nobody here besides us. And then one day he's in his bedroom or bathroom. I want to say maybe his bathroom. And he sees an object, a bottle of something. I'm going to assume it's some sort of like cosmetic thing. Okay. Slide across the counter on its own. Mm-hmm. Now we're scared. Yeah. Now we're calling the police. Okay. What do you tell police? <laughs> he 
tell them exactly what's going on. So the police show up and they actually witness the same things happening. They see objects moving. Mm -hmm. They hear the popping noises, yada, yada, yada. They run tests and they find nothing. No radio transmissions, no electrical disturbances. The bottles don't even feel like warm. There's Mm -hmm. nothing wrong with the bottles. Mm -hmm. They haven't been tampered with. No chemical reactions. Nothing. Okay. So at this point, who do you think they call? Ghostbusters. A priest. They finally call the priest in February 17th. He comes in, does a blessing, does a cleanse. We now have multiple witnesses coming over to the house and seeing these things happen. And then they write, they have an article written about them in Life magazine. Okay. Now they're getting tons of attention for this. One of the weird things about the situation is the fact that these are the first owners of this home. This was a brand new house built in 1953. The Herman family were the first family to live there. So why would it be haunted? There's no bad history to lead to a haunting. Yeah. Which makes Dr. J.B. Ryan of Duke University Parapsychology Laboratory. Yes. Very curious. He believes it's probably a poltergeist then, Mm -hmm. not a haunting. This is very confusing to me. So I guess a poltergeist is usually a mischievous, but like, not harmful or malevolent spirit that kind of just like fucks with you. See, and it's not like the spirit of, I know the movie's very different, but it's not the spirit of somebody who lived there and then died and hasn't moved on. It's like a different thing. Okay. How much Harry Potter knowledge do you have? Very little. Okay. 10%. Harry Potter in a very childlike way describes it perfectly. Although the actions that we talk about tonight are much more malevolent than the Harry Potter version. Okay. But in Harry Potter, when you go to Hogwarts Castle, mm-hmm. there's the ghosts. Yeah. The ghosts used to be alive mm-hmm. and then they died. And now for whatever reason, they can't move on and they roam around Hogwarts. And yes. you can talk to the ghosts and you can interact with them, but they are very clearly ghosts. Okay. Right? Yeah. But then there's Peeves, the poltergeist. And he looks different than the ghosts. So the ghosts are like see-through and kind of cloudy. They, whatever, they float through walls Mm -hmm. and yada, yada, yada. They can't pick things up. They can't move things. Yeah. Peeves can. And he's not see-through. So Peeves in Harry Potter is described as like kind of like a little clownish troll little fat kind of troll but he he floats around and he flies around like ghosts can he goes through walls and like appears and disappears like is ghosts. he in the movie very very briefly I was gonna and say, they I tried this at all they tried to totally write him out and jk rowling put her foot down and said no 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 okay. peeves is a big part of my books and he needs to at least Have be a there a something. little bit yeah. but peeves is a huge part of the books i mean huge part of the books wow. and peeves is just like a dick he's just an asshole okay he's always fucking with students he can pick things up and drop things he can play pranks on the students and is in general a pain in everyone's ass okay so he's the poltergeist yeah but then there's also ghosts yeah but the ghosts can't do everything that peeves does yes okay and the ghosts are more reflections of themselves of how they were living versus peeves is just a straight up dick he's just around to fuck with you okay that's the difference between a ghost and a poltergeist. Love it. Shout out Harry Potter. Wow. Okay. Things are connecting. I'm not saying that that's what poltergeists look like, but no. that's just the way J.K. Rowling wrote it yeah, yeah, in a yeah. children's book as like a visual. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. 
For sure. Great. So Dr. J.B. Ryan believes that we're dealing with a poltergeist. And one of the reasons he believes this, besides the objects moving and like just kind of the vibe he's getting, is the fact that there's teenagers living in the house. Poltergeists, for whatever reason, are very attracted to teenagers. The mischievous. For whatever reason, he says that every time he's had a poltergeist case, there's been teenagers in the house. And it's easy to pin your shit on a teenager. Fucking teenagers. Another throwback, kudos to J.K. Rowling. What's fucking Hogwarts filled with? Teenagers. (laughs) Teenagers. Yeah. Anyways. He brings in his team. They run a bunch of tests. They do a bunch of interviews with the family. They don't really get very far, though, because once all this starts happening, the activity stops. There's nothing else that happens, but they do have 70 recorded activities that Mm -hmm. they reported and made like reports on. That's 70 activities from, um, it says from July to March, but we started in February. So I think I got those dates wrong, but 70 reported activities. The family moves away and then no further activities or hauntings or anything are ever reported in that house again. In that house? How about the family? Did they? I don't know anything about the family. Okay. Just said they moved away. Okay. I wonder what happened to them after the fact. Hmm. So that's the Herman family. Okay. <clears throat> Again, that's one that people say they based po- or, you know, was inspiration for Poltergeist. Yeah. And it very well could be. Mm-hmm. I'm now going to tell you the story of the Black Hope curse. Mm. This to me is much more like Poltergeist, but it cannot be the inspiration for Poltergeist because this happened as Poltergeist came out. Wow. So this all happened in the early 80s. Okay. So in the early 1980s, a new housing development has been built in Crosby, Texas. Mm -hmm. So again, we're dealing with new houses, first time owners of these homes, right? Sam and Judy Haney have moved in. They've lived there for, you know, a little bit and they start to dig for a swimming pool. Mm -hmm. As they're digging up this pool, an older man shows up at their door. His name is Jasper Norton. He used to be, he's a retired grave digger, and he informs the Haneys that the backyard where they're trying to dig up their pool, people are buried there. And in fact, he tells them that this whole development is on an old graveyard. It is on the Black Hope Cemetery. This whole, I guess not the whole development's on the cemetery. The whole development is on a plot of land that was owned by a family for generations. Mm-hmm. This family owned it before and after the Civil War. Mm-hmm. They did have a plantation on this piece of property. They owned slaves, the whole shebang, okay. right? After the Civil War and the slaves were freed, they still hired, you know, freemen and servants, black servants, mm-hmm. yada, yada, yada. And a lot of these slaves and servants were buried in this Black Hope Cemetery on this land. Okay. The family then sold the land to the developers who now made this housing development on their land, which includes Black Hope Cemetery. Okay. So that's what Jasper comes and tells them. Like, just to let you know, y'all are digging pretty deep. You're, there are some bodies here. So they stop with the backhoe and they start digging much more carefully. And they do find two skeletons in like basically a disintegrating 
wooden casket. They're buried right next to each other. They both have wedding rings on. Wow. They do a little historic digging and find out that these are the bodies of Charles and Betty Thomas. Mm -hmm. They are both born into slavery in the mid-1800s. They both die in the 1930s, and they are buried right next to each other. Obviously, they were married. Of course, the Haney's are horrified, not because... I mean, of course, they're horrified that their fucking house is on a cemetery, but they're horrified because they just dug up these poor people's remains. They feel so bad. They feel so guilty. So they respectfully rebury them exactly where they were. Okay. And, you know, they tread lightly. They go about it with respect. Yeah, good on them. However, soon after this, Judy wakes up to her alarm clock, like kind of emitting this like blue glow and it's sparking it's giving off sparks so she freaks out she runs up to unplug it it's already unplugged this is the first of many incidences that start plaguing the haney family including lights flickering doors opening and closing on their own toilets flushing on their own all that good jazz so you're telling me this happened around the same time the movie (laughs) came out or as the movie's filming when did the movie come out? The movie came out in 82. So this is actually happening um, the year after the movie came out because they start digging their pool in 83. Weird. So they probably moved in before the movie came out. Yeah. But they started digging their pool the year after. Huh. Okay. And in fact, both couples are still alive to it be interviewed on Unsolved Mysteries. And that came out in like the early 2000s. Amazing. So they were both still alive. A lot of these things I'm telling you didn't match up to the article I read. Mm-hmm. But so I read an article, I took notes, and then I watched this episode. And from their own mouths, they had a different account. So I put their details in there because I'm like, well, they're going to know better than anybody. Agreed. It's their fucking life. Right. Absolutely. Now, their neighbors next door, Ben and G. Williams, are also having problems. First of all, since they've moved in, they cannot keep any of their outside plants alive. Mm hmm. They everything dies no mm-hmm. matter what Jean does her plants fucking die yeah and now they're also starting to have the same problems as the next door with the lights turning on and off they're hearing sounds in the walls and they said that they just have an all around bad feeling they have a very foreboding feeling being in their home also when you walk through their home you will walk through like pockets of cold air mm-hmm. and you always feel like you're being watched. You Ew. never feel like you're alone. Gross. Could you imagine trying to go to bed and just feeling eyes on you? Oh, it gets worse. Oh. So then in their backyard, coffin size sinkholes start appearing. And at first they try just filling them back in and then they would reappear in the same spots over and over and over again. Now, things are also escalating at the Haney house. We're now hearing men's voices, just kind of like murmuring and muttering around. The faucets are turning themselves on. Sure. They're seeing shadowy figures move across the hallway walls. I'm out. One morning, Judy is getting dressed and she goes to get her favorite pair of red shoes from her closet. I knew you'd appreciate the shoe detail. I do. It is a red shoe and they're not there. Very organized closet. Mm-hmm. Her shoes are missing. Yeah. They look everywhere. They can't find them. Finally, her husband finds them, 
placed side by side next to each other on top of Betty's grave in the backyard where Mm -hmm. they had reburied them. And this also just so happened to be Betty's birthday. Oh, she wanted to look pretty. Or Sam, Judy's husband, actually believes that maybe it was her husband Charlie's way of like leaving her a birthday present. Oh. Yeah. At that point, just let him have the shoes, Judy. Yeah, absolutely. She can have my red shoes. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I could ever put him back on again after that anyways. At this point, the Haney's are done. Yeah. We're over Bye. it. So they decide to sue the, the housing developers. Mm-hmm. Who they the developers claim they had no idea right. about what was on the property. Yeah. But we they have eyewitnesses that had lived <laughs> in that area previous to the development saying that they watched the bulldozers bulldoze over wooden crosses and grave markers and like little picket fences that's that, so fucked up. Yes. So they go to court and the jury actually rule in the Haney family's favor Mm -hmm. and then the judge overturns it (gasps) so broke spent all their money on this lawsuit the haney's pack up and move they're done they move out of their house brutal now the williams family also wants to sue but because of what happened with the haney's they're like we need more evidence yeah so they stick around to like collect some evidence they have a tree in their backyard that has like all these weird markings on it they find out from one of the older residents of the neighborhood that the markings are basically there to mark that two sisters are buried there under the tree. These, um, So these sisters are probably either, I don't know if they're like either former slaves or servants, but again, they're like two women who yeah. at some point worked for the original family, yeah. whether forced to or not. So Jean starts digging and she digs and digs and digs until she's exhausted. She can't dig anymore. Her 30 year old daughter, Tina, steps in and starts taking over for her mom. Yeah. She digs for about a half hour and then she finally finds the sister's bodies. But shortly after that, suffers a heart attack (gasps) and actually dies two days later. Damn. 30 year old woman. That's crazy. And she's not the only one. Since finding the sisters' bodies under the tree, six Williams family members, not all living in that house, but six mm-hmm. of their family members, have been diagnosed with cancer. Three of them die from it, and it all happens boom, so boom, fast. boom, all in succession. And their granddaughter, who they now take care of, is sick all the time. Oh she doesn't God. have cancer, but she but keeps having illness, chronic illness. Mm-hmm. And now they're also seeing the shadowy figures on the walls and um, they're also seeing like ghostly apparitions, like the kind of cloudy, murky apparitions. And this is usually followed by a very putrid smell. Again, like we talked about in The Conjuring. Yeah. And I think we talked about with Annalise Michael. And that's why I, yeah, I get confused by like hauntings Mm -hmm. versus poltergeist and it's like and then yeah like you're well this one never mentions a poltergeist okay the black hope curse they're talking about a haunting okay it was the herman family that they were talking about poltergeist gotcha this is definitely like we found bodies and now we're seeing figures in our hallway you know what i mean yeah so it's followed by putrid smells ben is he like works late nights so Mm -hmm. he doesn't come home till like midnight sometimes and he'll come home sometimes and see 
the apparitions standing at the foot of his bed watching his wife Jean sleep. Oh, my God. Mm. Oh, my God. That's no fun. What do you do? Like, shoo them away? Cry. So after all of this and after all of the family sicknesses and their granddaughter's sick and their fucking daughter's dead, they say, fuck it. They pack up. They move away. Um, One of the family members does go on to help co-write a book called The Black Hope Horror. Mm -hmm. So there is a book about it. And ever since then, though, no no current owners have ever (laughs) had any problems in their house in Texas. So although that cannot be the inspiration for Poltergeist, I feel like that had a lot more similarities. I feel like absolutely. To the movie Poltergeist. So I'm going to butcher this, but I figured I would look it up. So it is. It's Chessman Park in Denver, Colorado. Um, Originally a cemetery built in 1858, but they moved the bodies after it became unsightly and unused. Right. Moved the bodies, quote unquote, and converted it into a park. Like a children's park. Fun. And it's supposed to be haunted. Like teenagers will go there. And Yeah. Mm-hmm. Of course. Yeah. And I guess um, I think it was like a Native American massacre. From what I understand is some guy's family got like scalped. And then in retaliation, like a whole fucking village of Native Americans got murdered to blame for it. Yeah. And then um, the guy who was supposed to move the bodies realized it'd be a lot cheaper to just move the grave markings. Right. <laughs> Lovely. Uh-huh, and just leave the bodies behind. So there yeah, you go, history. Because that's the thing about movies like Poltergeist and stuff when they, they always blame it on being on like a Native American burial ground. Yeah. I hate to break it to y'all, but a lot of places in North America are Native American burial grounds, yeah. whether it you guys know about it or oh, not. Right. They lived here for tens of thousands of years before settlers came. There's probably not much that's not a Native American burial ground. Yeah, there's bodies everywhere. Of course. So what did you think of the two haunting stories? Very cool. The second one is just too, too weird. And the fact that they were still alive and could interview about it. And they yeah. were dead serious about it. And like the granddaughter who at the time of the interview looked to be about our age. Mm-hmm. And it was just very... Very interesting. Yeah. So creepy. And I will say I didn't get into the other neighbors because those were the two main families. But other neighbors also experienced those problems. And a lot of people moved out before the Haney's or the Williams moved out. And that's what's so weird. That is what's so weird. Maybe it's because those were the two families that actually uncovered bodies. Yeah. Like they were the ones digging. So because they disturbed it, it, they were tainted. And then who fucking moves there even after knowing this? Listen, I bet houses were cheap. Speaking of beautiful, cheap houses, for some reason, I don't know that this doesn't ever get explained, but we opened the sounds of an instrumental version of the Star Spangled Banner. Is it 4th of July? (laughs) No. Weird. Before we see static looking images popping onto a screen as the camera is panning back. We see a dog move from the living room into a child's bedroom. Wakes up a little girl. She's dressed in her PJs. And this is when we first see our five-year-old, Carol Ann, 
walking down the stairs where she sees the static on the TV and she starts talking to it. Iconic. Mm-hmm. You do not get much more iconic than Carol Ann sitting in front of that fucking static TV Absolutely. set. Absolutely. She says, hello, before asking, what do you look like? And then requesting that they speak louder. She's having a hard time hearing them. And she begins to yell at the TV like, louder, you got to talk louder, <laughs> which wakes up her eight-year-old brother, Robbie, and he sees that she's no longer in the shared room. They sleep mm-hmm. in the same room together. He walks downstairs with his mom, Diane, where they find Carol Ann answering a series of yes or no questions, but they don't hear anything. Right. right? Yes. No. I don't know. Maybe. Whatever. Suddenly, our view is now panning over the surrounding areas of Cuesta Verde, California. We see these nice neighborhoods of all these little subdivisions that look fairly recently built. Mm -hmm. So obviously, these are all first time in the house. There you go. What's not so nice are the fucking asshole kids playing in the street. (laughs) They've got this little like remote control car. And there's a guy on a bike holding a six pack of beer. He's in a hurry. This is why you're upset. I'm very upset. They fucking <laughs> cut him off with their car and he falls and he drops his beer and they go flying up and they point and they laugh. And so he picks up the beer that he can. <laughs> he runs into the house and he's running into the Freeling family house just in time to watch the end of a football game with the dad who is played by fucking legend. Craig T. Nelson. Amaze. Okay. We love Craig T. Nelson for a million reasons. A million. But the most significant to the podcast, what could Craig T. Nelson have been in? Uh, I don't know. A little show called Monk? (laughs) I forgot that he was in the finale. Me too. I was just guessing by the way you looked at me that the answer was Monk. So you don't remember who he was in the finale? No, I don't remember the finale. Spoiler alert. He killed Trudy. (gasps) You motherfucker. They had an affair when she was in college. She got pregnant with his baby. What a fucking whore. He told her the baby died. So she was like living with this grief the whole time. But she found out as his career started to like pop off as like a politician or whatever and she was going to blackmail him. Um, she like made a video for Monk or whatever. And then the daughter ends up being alive. I do remember his daughter being or yeah. her daughter being alive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do remember the finale. Yes. yes. And so he Monk almost kills him. But, you know, he can't. Because yeah, of course, because like, he's a sweet angel baby. Exactly. And so just all of that, just reliving all of that moment for this podcast. <sighs> Craig was, T. Nelson. Oh, my God. So, I do remember the finale. I do not remember Craig T. Nelson being in it. Uh, right. Oh, my God. Legend. <laughs> Craig T. Nelson. Ted Levine. Tony Lash- Tony Shalhoub. <laughs> what more do you want? Oh. <laughs> uh. The wife, Diane, is in the kitchen cleaning when she notices the family bird, a parakeet named Tweety, has died, laying at the bottom of its cage. Carol Ann catches her trying to flush it down the toilet. <laughs> what? That's wild. You can't Baby. bury it. Well, Carol Ann requests that they have a proper burial. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's kind of fucked up. Which they do. 
beneath this huge tree. <gasps> Stop it. In the backyard. It's oh a significant God. tree. Are there weird markings on it? No. Yeah. But it's a fucking weird ass tree. Okay. That night, while getting ready for bed, there's a big storm. Howling winds, thunder, lightning, you name it. The parents are in bed smoking a J. Like the mom's fucking rolling in her box. It's amazing. As she recalls sleepwalking at a young age, and she's trying to convince her husband that Carol Ann's going to grow out of it. Like, it's not a big deal. Back in the kids' room, Robbie is seeing shadowy figures on the wall being caused by this fucking weird-ass tree that's right outside their bedroom. Mm -hmm. And there's a creepy fucking clown doll Mm -hmm. that's, like, just in the room. I don't know if it's one of Carol Ann's toys, but Robbie doesn't seem to be down with it. It's, like, right at the end of his bed. Yeah, I want to be too judgmental, be considering how you grew up with a creepy clown. And it then looks you, a lot like the clown. And it, then you put that creepy clown in your Right above room. my daughter who's sleeping yeah. as we speak. It so, looks a lot like this fucking clown. Mm, yeah, 80s clowns were fucking creepy. And the way it's sitting at the end of the bed staring at him reminds me a lot of Robert the doll. Oh, <laughs> so cute. That combined with the sounds from the storm is too much. And Robbie goes to mom and dad looking for help. Dad takes Robbie back, tucks him in. Tells him the storm's going to blow over, get some rest. And just as he leaves the room again, we're hearing the Star Spangled Banner blaring from the TV downstairs. I don't know why they picked this. It's a very patriotic poltergeist. Just as the song finishes, we see the screen go to static and Carol Ann climbs out of bed. Time to talk to her friend. Mm -hmm. We hear whispers. We can't make out what they're saying. And we see these weird ghostly trails, mm-hmm. right? They're leading Carol Ann to the end of the bed when there's like a big gust of wind and the whole house begins to shake. Oh, my God. And Carol Ann announces they're here. Another iconic moment. Mm-hmm. The next day, we hear the family discussing the earthquake that they experienced last night and assessing the damage to the house, but they seem to be the only family who experienced any of this. Weird. Right? They're calling the neighbors and they're like, no, we didn't feel anything. The mom asks Carol Ann if she remembers what she had said and questions who she might have been talking about and who she was speaking to on the TV, and she simply refers to them as the TV people. Yeah. That's it. At first, I don't know, the entity or whatever is playing harmless tricks. Like a glass suddenly shatters at the breakfast table. All the utensils are bent. So like they go to eat their cereal Mm -hmm. and all the spoons are bent. Things start to escalate as the family dog is barking and clawing at the walls. The furniture is being stacked on the kitchen table. At first, the mom thinks it's the kids, but then she's like, they can't do this shit that quick. Right. Like, she turns her back for a second, and the fucking chairs are on the table. Yeah. When the dad gets home from work, the wife drags him into the kitchen where she's like, check this shit out. She's figured out that there's a spot in the kitchen where if you stand or put something long enough, it gets pulled Mm -hmm. to the other side of the room. So it could be an object, a person, and she describes it like you feel like you're being tickled. Yeah, I thought you'd like that. 
She demonstrates by putting Robbie. Yeah. <laughs> in the same spot and watching him being pulled across the floor. The dad, not knowing what to think, is asking neighbors if they've experienced anything unusual, which they have not. So no, nope, of course not. alone. So the dad's like, we're going to keep this in the family. We're not going to talk about <laughs> this. That's right. That's a true 80s dad right there. But let's also like stay out of the kitchen until I can figure out what the fuck's going on. Yeah. That night, we're experiencing another crazy storm. The big ass tree in the backyard where the birds buried suddenly comes to life. Smashing through the kid's bedroom and pulling Robbie out of his bed. Right. Entangling him in the tree. The parents see this happen. They hear the screams, rush to the room. They run outside to help poor Robbie, but they leave Carol Ann alone. Mm-hmm. Right? And that's just what the TV people wanted as we see her being pulled into their dimension through the bedroom closet. There's yep. this portal. Mm-hmm. Oldest sister Dana sees the tornado or sees a tornado coming in the distance tries to warn her parents who are still outside and this is when the i guess poltergeist realizes it's chance to take carol ann because everyone's outside and when they get back in she's fucking gone and they they the portal's gone they don't know where she is it's basically like she's playing hide and seek and they just can't find her yeah so Finally, after searching the whole house, we hear her call from the other side of the TV. And she, like, reaches out for her mom. Yep. The next day, the dad goes to seek the help of parapsychologists, knowing police aren't going to do fucking anything. How do you even explain this? Right. When investigators arrive, the dad explains that they haven't been in the kid's room since that night. And it's pretty obvious why, because when they open the door, everything's fucking flying in the room. Furniture's <laughs> flying in the room. Toys are flying in the room. Oh, it's that's fun. mayhem. The family's convinced the house is haunted, but the parapsych- Oh, really? What gave them that? The parapsychologists suggest instead that it's a poltergeist. Okay, listen. this That has a lot to like the Herman family. All right. So... The way they kind of break it down in the movie is like a haunting is tied to something specific to the ghost, right? Yeah. A place where they were familiar, maybe the place where they were murdered, grew up, whatever. Mm-hmm. Poltergeists don't have to have any attachment necessarily. Okay. That makes sense. But also then like, but the bodies were buried there. So I feel like they're attached to that. So for your movie or for my stories? Well, the for both because eventually I know you're yeah. gonna get to the whole body yeah. thing. Yeah, I don't know. Okay, like That's I said, where for, I got confused. As I far guess. as my stories go, I do think that the what was it, the Black Hope mm-hmm. curse, is a haunting because yeah. those bodies are there and they did live and work right on that piece of land. But like the mischievous, but the Herman one is a poltergeist. Yeah. Because that's a new development. It's not Mm -hmm. on a burial plot. There's no bad history there. That's just an entity who is attracted to the house, maybe because there's teenagers, and it was just kind of messing with them. Yeah. So, because I'm like, I feel like this kind of muddies the water a little bit. It does get a little Mm -hmm. murky. Hey, you want to pass me the champagne bucket? Oh, that's so dangerous. Please pause. 
One thing they point out that I thought was interesting is how hauntings last over long periods of time, right? They linger over decades. Poltergeists can come and go so quick, right? One second it's coming hard and heavy and then it can be gone just like that. That's what she said. Hey. <clears throat> the mom attempts to call out to Carol Ann to see if she'll make contact from the other side. And at first we don't hear a response, but the dog starts acting weird. And then finally we do hear her call out to his, to her parents. And she tells them that she can't see them or find her way home. She only sees a bright light. To which the researchers tell her, stay away. Don't Ooh. go into the light. Because there is no coming back. She also tells them someone or something is in there with her before we hear her scream for help and the voice fades away. How fucking terrifying. To be a parent, you can hear your child scream. I don't even know how you deal with it. No. What do you do? Exactly. Have what a these, mental breakdown? Yep, exactly what these parents are doing. You get fucking researchers and you cling to the little hope that you have. The mom swears she felt Carol Ann pass through her. She can even smell her scent on her skin. So we know she's in there somewhere. <sighs> so It kind of reminds me a bit of Stranger Things. Mm-hmm. Reminds me a bit of Winona Ryder and I can't remember her son's name in that, but. The house experiences another strange tremor when one of the researchers seems to get like bitten. Now the parents don't feel comfortable allowing the children to stay in the house. So Dana goes to stay with a friend while Robbie goes to stay with his grandparents. That's a good fucking thing they did because that night while the parents are settling in, um, the researcher that was bitten starts having a hallucination that he's ripping all the skin off of his face. That's fun. In the bathroom sink. And it was actually really good the way that they did it. It was pretty good. And he's fucking out. He's like, I can't be in this house any longer. Understandable. Before he leaves, they experience what they describe to be people but all we see are like random flashes of light. Mm -hmm. So they feel like they can see people walking around in the house, but we're just seeing like energy kind of. Yep. The next morning they're packing up and getting ready to leave. And they're telling the family basically like, we can't deal with this on our own. We need help. While waiting, the dad, Steve goes to have a meeting with his boss. He's been missing a lot of work lately. (laughs) Can't imagine. But the boss is fine with it because Steve's, like, the best employee, like, the best salesman he has. So he's like, it's fine. Let me just show you this new development project that I'm working on. And during their conversation, the boss is asking a lot of questions about the house the family is currently living in. And during the questions, we find out that this is the house Carol Ann was born in. So she has a super strong connection and tie to this house. So the boss is showing off the land where they plan to build their newest housing development. And Steve points out that it's a cemetery. He's like, this is going to cause issues for prospective buyers. 
And the guy's like, no, it's fine. We've been given permission to dig up and relocate all of the graves. To which Steve replies, that's sacrilegious. Right. Like, that's fucked up. The boss argues, it's not like this is an ancient burial or an ancient tribal burial ground. Like, these are just average people we're moving. <laughs> like, this isn't history. In the yeah. Name. These are just basic bitches. It's not <laughs> like where your house is built. <laughs> He's like, besides, we've done it before. Just where we built your house. Yeah. And Steve is shocked. Oh, my God. What the fuck? Like, why am I just hearing about this now? And the guy's like, it's not the type of thing you just share with people. That's so funny. <laughs> it's like we've never gotten complaints before. Finally, the researchers return and bring with them the advice of a spiritual medium. And I'd say she's probably, besides Carol Ann, the other most known character in the movie. Yes. Right? This woman is... The remarkable. little yeah. craggly, croakily old lady. Incredible. Before she can move forward, she's asking the mom, are you willing to do whatever it is I ask of you, even if it doesn't correspond with your religious or spiritual beliefs? Obviously, she gets an immediate yes. Of course. They're willing to do fucking anything. That's why she's here. She describes the spirits as stuck. They're in a dimension of like a perpetual dream state. Which for them is almost like a nightmare. Mm-hmm. Like they're forced to live their life. They've already seen all their loved ones like come and go. Mm-hmm. And they all get to pass on while these people are just stuck. Mm-hmm. And not only that, there's this really shitty spirit that's an asshole and they're fucking with all of them. She refers to him kind of as like the beast. She suggests that because of Carol Ann's connection to the house, that that's why they chose her and they're going to use her to guide them towards the light. Right. If she goes to the light, they'll follow her and they'll be able to pass over. But she's been told not to go to the light. Exactly. And not only that, there's this evil spirit in there that's pretending to be like a kid that's also telling her. Not to go to the light because he doesn't want to lose all of his little playthings. Right. Mm-hmm. She determines that the bedroom closet is the entrance to the other dimension, but they need to figure out how to open it. And she requests that the parents call out to Carol Ann, but when Carol Ann doesn't respond, the medium tells them they need to be forceful, almost mean, as if Carol Ann's in trouble. Mm-hmm. And she's like, which one of you is the disciplinarian in the house or whatever? Mom. Well, they're both kind of just like, eh. Like, Neither one of them. Yeah. And so it's like, well, we're going to use the dad because he's going to have like the most forceful. And he's like, I'm going to put you on a timeout, blah, blah, blah. It does get the response that they're looking for. And because of that, it opens this door. Okay. They test it. By tossing in a tennis ball. Mm -hmm. And the tennis ball goes into the bedroom closet and falls out the living room ceiling. Oh, okay. So now they know the in and out. Perfect. But how did they tell Carol Ann that? Yeah. How do you explain this to Carol Ann? The medium has like volunteered herself to go in. But the mom's like, my daughter doesn't know you. Yeah. She's definitely not going to fucking listen to you with all the shit that's going on. I need to go in. Yep. And so they tie a rope around her 
and she goes in and the medium is very specific like the dad's holding onto the rope and she's like you can't pull the rope until I tell you she's like I need to do something to distract the other spirits and to help guide them to the light so that Carol Ann and the mom can actually find a way out okay the dad fucking panics. I mean, <laughs> they're holding it together so much better than I and would be holding like, it together. That's what I, I wrote. I'm like, I don't blame him. Like, this is so much. He pulls the rope too soon. So it allows that evil beast type character to, like, come out for a second. And they come face to face. Mm-hmm. It's like a big moment. There's a big explosion. And we see Diane clutching Carol Ann coming out of the portal through the ceiling in the living room, almost as if it's like a rebirth. Like they're covered in goo. Mm-hmm. Carol Ann's not breathing. Oh, my God. So they have to put her in a bathtub. And then it's like she has her first breath. So it's like a fucking birth. Um, And the first thing out of her mouth is, hi, daddy. The medium describes or declares that the house has been cleansed of all of its spirits. But the next morning, as the family's packing up their shit, getting ready to move, we can tell just by, like, the music and whatever, like, something's still not quite right. Of course. Carol Ann has no memory of what happened, but Diane explains feeling kind of like she just has a really bad hangover. Steve has to tie up some loose ends at work. So before they can leave, he goes leaving Diana at home with Robbie and Carol Ann. Dana's at like a friend's house still. It's late. So even though they're like getting ready to leave the house, she's still getting the kids ready for bed. Mm -hmm. She's like, we can throw them in the car at any point. Even though most of the spirits passed on, the evil one didn't. And now he's alone and he's mad. You took his friends. Mad, bored, alone. So he's fucking with the clown doll that pulls Robbie from under the bed. Mm -hmm. Right? So Robbie and the clown are going at it. The mom hears Robbie screaming, but she's being pulled across the ceiling Freddy Krueger style. Love it. Like in a t-shirt, the whole thing. So she can't do anything about it. Carol Ann's just sitting there like, well, I don't know what the fuck to do as the portal reopens in the bedroom closet. So all hell is breaking loose in the house again. Robbie does eventually break free from the evil clown doll as another um, like spirit type thing tries to lure Carol Ann into the portal. Every time um, the mom eventually breaks free. So every time she tries to get near the kid's room, she's being like electrocuted, like shocked. Like yeah. you go to reach for the door. She can't do shit. So she runs downstairs, goes out through the backyard where they're digging a pool. <gasps> bum, bum, bum. She falls into the pool. And since it's been storming nonstop, it's a fucking mud pit. Coffins and skeletons are erupting from the loose soil like crazy. Mm-hmm. The whole fucking pool is basically full of dead bodies. Eventually, the neighbors hear her screams for help. They come out like, what the fuck? Mm-hmm. Could you imagine? 
walking over to your neighbor's house. She's screaming in a pool full of dead bodies. She convinces the neighbors to help her, but they're not going in the fucking house to help her or the kids. They're like, uh-uh, <laughs> whatever's going on in there, like, that's all you. So Diane's left to deal with this on her own. She in gets- all fairness, I appreciate the energy of them, like, trying to move the next day, but I would still be in a hotel room. Right. There's no way I'm spending another night of my life. If we have to sleep in the motherfucking car. We're going to get to that. So Diane gets to them just in time. They manage to escape the house together as Steve is pulling up, seeing the shit show in all of its glory. There's coffins. There's bodies fucking exploding from the ground. Just <laughs> popping up like crazy all over the place. Um. So now it's obvious to Steve they never relocated the bodies like his boss told them. Big sister Dana, who's been at the friend's house all along, also pulling up like, what's happening to my family? Not a badass big sister. No, she's hysterical. She's (laughs) losing her shit. They all jump into the family station wagon and drive off as we see the house implode through the portal, the whole fucking neighborhood watching in horror. And finally, getting away from the house, checking into a motel, we see the dad not wanting to tempt fate, pushing the TV out of the room and locking the door. Mm -hmm. I told you this morning that I had time to watch the remake. Uh Uh-huh. Which and was just a few years ago, right? 2015? Yeah. That feels like just a few years ago. I know it's really like seven years ago, but. And I'll say it's rare. The remake's better. <gasps> wow. I know. Blasphemy. I mean. A lot. A lot better? Mm-hmm. Is it just because what was scary in the 80s isn't scary anymore and they had to up the ante? No, I think because the way they focused the attention on the brother in the new one. He's a very anxious, scared little boy. So it builds the tension from the very beginning. Okay. Right. So in the new one. So in this movie, Caroline was born in this house. In the new one, the family is going through a really hard time. Mm -hmm. And they're forced to leave the house that they love. So the teenage daughter's pissed. The little boy's anxious and scared. They're moving to a new place. And the little girl's just like, yay, I have a stuffed pig. It's You literally just described my three kids. Right? Yeah. Exactly. I can totally picture it. They're moving into a new house. Mm-hmm. And the little boy, like, looking around the house, he sees the tree. And he's weirded out by the tree. And it's the way that he's nervous and anxious that it really builds the suspense. Okay. And then the occurrences are, like, more malicious malevolent yeah whatever like just more it's a much darker vibe okay and then obviously because it's newer editing and of course that's always better Uh uh-huh the fucking clown aspect is on another level Mm. so in this one they all have different rooms the little boy of course the anxious scared kid his bedroom's in the attic Perfect. Right? He goes to, like, open a drawer or something, a closet, and it's full of fucking clown dolls. Full of fucking clown dolls. <laughs> Can you imagine? And they're, like, old. Old creepy clowns. Yeah. They're, like, some of them look wooden. And, like, this one, like, the nose comes out. Right? Yeah. You pull the nose and it, like, 
recoils back into the face and it like does oh my god the clown is just so much scarier the tree scarier all right yeah so i really am glad that i got the opportunity to rewatch that okay so before we go into our next part you give the original 1982 poltergeist how many knives i'd give it another three perfect yeah great mm-hmm. and then the new poltergeist i think it's a four Okay. I think it's a really well-made movie. So you were saying how, like, how could you stay in that house? This family yes. gets the fuck out. In the new one? They immediately As they should. get in the car. But here's what's scarier. The house pulls the whole fucking car back into the house. Oh, that's terrifying. Pulls it right through the wall, flips it over. The house collapses onto the car. The house is not letting that fucking family go, no matter how hard they try to run. That's terrifying. And then the dad is a drunk, and we love him. He's cynical and Turn bitter. Turn your mic. Oh. Cynical and bitter, and he's drinking whiskey out of a coffee mug 24-7. Yeah. So, like, I just, I relate to him a lot more. No <laughs> no disrespect, Craig T. Nelson, but. Um, but I, also, you killed Trudy, so. Right. I do want to say for an 82, I really appreciate the parents in the movie, how open they were to like kind of believing the kids and going along with it. Yeah, it sounds like they were pretty cool and they, yeah. I mean, they're, they smoke weed. Ugh. They got to be cool. True that. Um, but even like the dad being willing to like take the time off, like he's really trying to be there for the family. I did. I appreciated the whole like wholesome family aspect of the first one. I thought right. that was a lot for the 80s. I thought that was definitely different. Early 80s at that. Exactly. Might as well be the 70s. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. Okay, so three knives, four knives. Now are we going to get into the curse of the Poltergeist I movies? I do have a little bit of the curse. So Heather O'Rourke, who plays Carol Ann, I guess was somehow misdiagnosed with Crohn's disease in 1987. The following year, she fell ill. Her symptoms were attributed to a flu. A day later, she collapsed, suffered a heart attack, and being airlifted to the Children's Hospital in San Diego, she ends up dying um, while being operated on. Yes. For, like, bowel obstruction. But she wasn't the first untimely tragic death. No. The older sister, Dana... Dominique Dunn, um, she was choked and left to die in her driveway by her ex when she refused to take him back, like, right after the movie came out. Yep. The and, first one. Mm-hmm. And then what's less strange but still worth noting is after the second one, two more cast members die of more natural causes but still a little sus. So one had already been diagnosed with stomach cancer, but died like immediately after the movie. And another one um, died during a risky heart lung transplant. But he also performed an authentic exorcism on the set when they wrapped the film. So because he believed the whole thing was cursed. So let me get into that. Okay. That was a Native American actor. Mm-hmm. And. I have a lot of issues with that. Okay. One issue that I have is the fact that they use the word exorcism. And I don't know if he buys into that or if everybody else buys into that. But I think you have to be like 
a trained priest to do an an exorcism. exorcism. Mm -hmm. So then it's like he might have done like a cleansing. Right. Native Americans, we burn sage Mm -hmm. to cleanse spaces and to cleanse people. And so he could have done that maybe in the 80s. They're like, oh, it's an exorcism. But it might have just been like a cleansing. I mean, people do it all the time. I know. Mm -hmm. Um, The other problem I have with it is this idea of like, and I don't know if that actor fed into it or not, but I would like to say that Native American people are just normal people. Oh, of course. And by no, but a lot of Native Americans get like, there's this pigeonholed on like the spiritual warrior. Yeah. Like Native Americans are either like these like crazy, like brave warriors yeah. or they're super like magical, mystical, spiritual beings. And it's like, just let us no, be. some of them yeah. are pieces of shit. Some of them are. Are medicine men. Some of them are average people. They're like people. Period. Humans are humans yeah. are humans are humans. So that's why it's like the one Native American actor. Of like course they're he gonna... did a spiritual exorcism. You're mm-hmm. like, all right, maybe. But I don't think it was an exorcism. And I don't think it was everything that you guys are like playing it up to be. More than any of that, the thing that stands out most to me, and I don't even know if it's true. Is it going to be about the skeletons? Yes. Yeah. According to the woman who played the mom, mm-hmm. she claims that the pool that she fell into, instead of prop skeletons that were too expensive, they used real skeletal remains. And that's why she believes the film is cursed, which is incredible. What To not know that until after... So but again, that, none of this has been proven. So oh, it has been. Oh, it has. Yep. Okay, what I read, it didn't say it was proven. That's incredible. That is a hundred percent true. Wow, it is a hundred percent true. That real bodies are cheaper than plastic. Back in the early eighties, they were because they would use. So what they actually bought were, and this was confirmed by a few people, including like the props master and like the makeup artist, the people who just worked on set. Back then, it was cheaper to get a real human skeleton because they were cleaned and like hinged together for academic reasons. So what they bought, I believe, were surgical skeletons. But it was basically, you see it all the time, especially in like 70s and 80s movies where in the high school and college classrooms, they have like the skeleton in the corner. Okay. Yeah. Those are real human skeletons. What? Those aren't plastic. Those are real human bodies, and you could buy them. And so that is what the props team did on Poltergeist, is they bought these educational... Bitch, I had no idea. They bought I had no fucking clue. They bought these educational skeletons that, in theory, you would put in your classroom, and then they had to go and actually make them look creepy. Because when you buy them for your classroom, they've been cleaned and bleached white and re-like... That's so weird. ...put together. Yeah. So they can be on their little stand. Um, so they actually had to go in and like repaint them and make them look Just decayed like I and added gooey. The the toilet paper and the wood paint to mine to make it look like it was still like fleshy and right. falling apart. Mm-hmm. Incredible. Ew. And to be fair, skeletons are fucking expensive. Yes. Like when I got the ones I've got two this year that are normal size. They're like mm-hmm. five foot. Right. Um, I didn't fucking walk. I sprinted 
when I heard that they were only thirty dollars at Home right. Depot because those are I saw one at um, Big Lots for like a hundred. Yeah, and then the twelve footers, those Forget go it. yeah, right. So as much as we want one. Oh, I want one. It's gonna happen at some point. I have to be that one house in town that has yeah twelve foot skeleton. Anyways, yes, but and she did not know until afterwards. Yeah, could you imagine thinking, "Oh, it's just props, no big deal," and then realize how, how long afterwards? Like, I'm not sure how long afterwards, but she did say that that scene took the better part of a week to film. Oh my! So God. she was in that murky, muddy pool with real human fucking bodies for days. Yeah, and she didn't die. She didn't get cursed. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That's crazy. <clears throat> wow. Well, that's way more connections than I would have expected. There is actually, <coughs> once you pulled out those details, there are more connections to the Herman yeah. family than I, but then again, the tree and all of that, that reminds me That was me from of the other one. The black curse. And that's what I'm saying. It, the fact that it happened like at the same time. Crazy. So creepy. All right. My... Look of the week is easy peasy. We're going to go in and we're going to YouTube static. Okay. And I'm going to do the Carol Ann. Just like. Uh-huh. Reach up. Yeah. I have the topping, the matching top to this pajama set. Yep. Because she wore a two-piece blue pajama set. Mm-hmm. And even though this is technically tie-dye, I think it looks a little staticky. It's good enough. Right? Yeah. Like, hers is floral. There's no way I want to match that. I thought about busting out the nightgown again. But she's not wearing a nightgown. It's a two-piece pajama right. set. It's just, it's floral and ruffled and very 80s. This is not, but I do think it gives a very poltergeisty vibe. Love it. Mm-hmm. Love to see it. So, no, my black eye has nothing to do. I know. I it was like, I don't remember a black eye. But anyways, well, that's fun. Definitely recommend a rewatch. The classic's great. I mean, without the classic, we wouldn't have the remake. I just say if you're looking to be scared, definitely watch the new one. We don't get scared. We thought basically last night was like a comedy movie right. for us. Yeah, we laughed. Uh, there was a the lady. The theater standing. was fun. <clears throat> the theater I, was fun. There was a lot of people that were there. I think if you're there opening night for the new Halloween they were movie, good people. you're a fan. Yeah. But there was a lady next to me who sometimes she was agreeing with us like this is ridiculous. And then sometimes she was actually like, <gasps> like I could hear her like, like if it's got really violent and we would start laughing. <laughs> right. We're nervous laughers. It's funny. Yeah. Anyways, um, I actually just watched. This is taking it all the way back to the Black Dahlia, which is what a few, what like five episodes ago, sure. something like that. Yeah. The Black Dahlia. We had talked about this for a hot second the other night. I went and watched um, Thirty Days a Night. Oh, it's so good. It is still. It is it's still good. It is still good. It's I've not as scary it. as it used to be. No, nothing is though. I know, but it's still dark and violent. Yeah, and I feel like once you watch it the first one or two times, it of course is never going to be as scary again. Foster's acting's a lot better than <laughs> the other episode. Yeah, but even then, it's still. I don't know what my thing with Ben Foster in the early two thousands was. I thought he was a way better actor than. 
I'm I mean, rediscovering. To be fair, he's playing a vampire. So. No, he's not playing a vampire. Does he's he play, turn he's a into wannabe? One? No. Remember that's is his he a whole tweaker? thing. Because I remember him in the jail cell. Being okay, fucking so his weird. thing. Is, oh, of course, he's weird. Yeah. His thing is, is he's with the vamps. He goes ahead and does all their dirty work for yeah, them. So the he killing is. of the dogs, okay. the stealing of the cell yeah, phones, yeah, yeah. all that stuff. But he's not actually because he one wants of them to take him. Okay, and then. Josh Hartnett handcuffs him to his jail cell and he's like, they're going to take me. They're going to take me. They're going to take me. And then they show up. And yeah. again, then they don't, they don't take, take him. him. And he's like, just fucking killing. Yeah. Just end it. Just end it. They didn't yeah. take me. Just end it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is a lot of tweakery vibes. Cause he's got the rotten teeth and he's all like, ah, all manic. Um, but yeah, in the early two thousands, I just I loved Ben Foster so much, and now that I'm rewatching his movies, I'm like, we made a I? lot of really bad choices in the early 2000s. We sure did, my girl. Love. That's why they were the early 2000s. That's right, and we didn't have social media to embarrass us. Thank so, a um, we what was the name of the movie we both are looking forward to? Is it The Black Phone? Yeah, with Ethan Hawke. The Black Phone. I don't know if that is Ethan Hawke. I said it looked like Ethan Hawke. No, I think it is. No, we both thought it was Joaquin Phoenix. At the very first. Yeah. It looked like Joaquin Phoenix from The Joker. No, and I do think it is Ethan Hawke. I'll look it up real quick. But we're both looking forward to that. That looked incredible. I was also wondering about Halloween. Maybe I'll look it up real quick. We'll take a pause. Um, We said it got so much more violent. And I definitely noticed this time it was produced by Bloomhouse or Blumhouse. Yeah. And they always bring the violence. Mm-hmm. I don't. I'm wondering if they changed like production. Interesting. Companies. Okay, that's a really yeah. Because I know it's the same, like director, producer, all that. But yeah, it could be a different horror house. So yes, the Black Phone 2021 coming out in. It is Ethan Hawke. Yeah. Okay, I was right. Mm-hmm. Again, production companies Blumhouse Productions. Wow, Ethan Hawke. It looks good, guys. We're excited. I know that new Halloween is much more violent. I know we're looking forward to the Black Phone. We're looking forward to um, Scream, January 2022. And I just learned that they have alcohol in movie theaters now. Yep. So that's amazing. Because last night we snuck in our own vodka and our own can of wine. Which we will continue to do. But it's so exciting to know that we I have know because a, a glass of wine there was like, remember it was seven like fifty for a glass and we have half a bottle in a can. I know. I'm like, we drink a bottle for seven ninety nine yeah. every week. Mm-hmm. What are you talking about? Fools. <laughs> the can is so perfect. We just got a cup of ice and nobody even questioned us. I will say the reason behind me wearing my what shirt tonight? Just a tip. You reminded me last night that I even owned it. So you have a shirt that you and Nick share that say just the tip, I promise. And it's a butcher knife, like a little bloody tip. Correct. And we had talked about Michael Myers gear because you had worn a Michael Myers shirt last night. I wore Michael Myers socks. So cute. I'm like, I can't find a Michael Myers shirt. They have them on Amazon, but they won't be here in time. You're like, oh, I thought about my just the tip shirt for you. I was like, yeah, I actually saw one that says just the tip. Does that one say I promise or just the tip? No, I promise. Yeah. So you you were, I said, oh, I there is one that says just the tip, I promise, but it also had Michael Myers on it. You're like, oh, I own that <laughs> shirt. Our friend Stephanie and Ryan gave it to uh-huh. me. 
But it was in your regular t-shirt drawer and not, not my your Halloween t-shirt drawer. So fucking loser. God, what's wrong with me? Type A comes and bites you in the <laughs> ass again. If you just had a t-shirt drawer, it nope. would have been in there. Nope. I have to keep them separate. <laughs> well, that didn't work out now, did no, it? No, it didn't. But I'm wearing it tonight. Just the tip, I mm. promise, with Michael on it, our boy. Yeah, just for kicks, because I thought it was so funny. So next week, we will have our most Halloweeniest of episodes, <gasps> besides last year's Halloween episode, which was about no, Halloween. Yeah. <laughs> but we are going to amp up our spooky season episodes to a very Halloween-centric episode, because we are taking a break on Halloween weekend. So next week, that'll be a lot of fun. You're going to tell me? After this. Okay. After we press stop. Okay. Well, sometimes you want to tell me on air. And I know. This isn't, a big, <laughs> this isn't a big, like, exciting surprise. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, For pictures of the case and B's Look of the Week, THC Podcast on and Instagram. And my black eye. <laughs> I will take a picture of her black eye. I got a picture of our giant magnum bottle of cooked champagne. Uh, All kinds of pictures I put up there. Pictures of our personal life, what we're doing. I haven't even seen our picture from last night. So it's on the story. Mm-hmm. I posted it on the story, and actually, the story gets way more hits than our actual Instagram does. So maybe I'll just start posting things on stories too. Okay. Anyways, um, that's our only social media. But feel free to leave us a comment. Hit me up in the DMs. I've been getting a lot of DMs <gasps> from a lot of fans. It's Yay. very exciting. I have a lot of interactions going on at once. Leave us a review, a like, a subscribe. If you have time, we would appreciate it. And otherwise, we will see you next time. Bye. You cunts. Goodbye.